3: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And this week I am guest hosting the KTTH Morning Show from Seattle, Washington. You can check that out on Pacific Time from 6 in the morning to 9 a.m. And I'm going to bring you an excerpt of that for This Is America This Week. What I want to talk about right now is what happened over the weekend, right? Because obviously we had Christmas over the weekend, and I'm sure that was a joyous festive occasion for so many people, but... There's also some humor that was involved in some of the Christmas greetings, right? President Joe Biden was visiting kids as part of the NORAD tradition of tracking Santa and whatnot, and... He got trolled by a dad who's a notorious troller. And I thought this was pretty funny stuff. So I want you to hear this audio. It's in reference to obviously, and you've probably heard this by now, but if you haven't, let me bring up to speed. He's there with, uh, I was going to call her the vice president. Of course, that's reserved for Kim Malayas. But he was there with the first lady, Dr. Jill Biden. He gets a call from a dad. And it's really, really funny because he makes reference to this chant that's sweeping the nation. But I want you to hear uh, exactly what transpired check this up
4: uh let's talk about what happened today uh with joe biden along with the first lady jill biden visiting children's national medical center here in washington uh he spoke with kids around the country as part of a, a santa tracker event in one specific Ooh. phone call a father of four named jared made it awkward and political and uh, just listen to this by the way you guys have to be in bed by nine o'clock, you know, and asleep between nine and twelve. Or he doesn't show up.
2: This isn't to you, Jared. This is to the
3: kids. <laughs>
1: That's right.
4: <laughs> well, I hope you have a wonderful hey, Christmas. Wolf.
1: Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Christmas
2: and let's go, Brandon. Let's go,
4: Brandon. I yeah. agree. Let's go, Brandon. For those yeah. who don't know, is slang for F Joe Biden. Uh, Ron, the president is trying to be nice to kids. Uh, He doesn't really have to do this. They were very pleasant. What does it tell you that somebody is rude like that and disrespects the office of the president to his face uh, about the political climate in this country?
1: Yeah, look, I, you know, it's ungracious, it's juvenile, it's reprehensible by the father, uh, but I don't think it's fundamentally about incivility. I think it is fundamentally about insurrection. Um, you know, I don't know the the, the individual, but the, the whole let's go Brandon kind of motif is a reflection of the view two thirds of the Republican uh, base driven by Trump's claims, uh, false claims and the big lie that Biden is an illegitimate president. Um, and it reflects as well the, the findings in multiple polls by the American Enterprise Institute, Vanderbilt University and others that a majority of Republican voters now say the American way of life is disappearing so, so fast, the traditional American way of life that we may have to use force to save it. I think you're seeing this is a manifestation not just of incivility, but of the fundamental view of the illegitimacy and the ominous shores that we're kind of sailing toward very quickly uh, in 2022 and especially 2024.
3: Well, that's Ron Filipowski, and he uh, monitors the uh, the Trump movement, right, or what he likes to call the diehard Trump base, and uh, he at one point resigned from the DeSantis administration over a data collection hoax, and this is according to the Millennial. Now, he took it upon himself to find his dad, who lives in Oregon, to share all of his details on Twitter, and I'm looking at a tweet here from Jack Posobiec. It says here, this is how Blue Anon is celebrating Christmas, and he's got this... Uh, comment from Ron Filipowski saying that he's disabled a lot of his social media, but that's not enough. And somebody else named Chris Morris uh, chiming in saying, oh, his YouTube account is still up at the top of his video. Apparently, he likes to do box reveals of Pokemon cards with his kids when he isn't being a douche to the president. Now, it was on Christmas Eve during that call when this whole interaction happened. And he said, let's go, Brandon. And Biden graciously says, I agree. Now, you could argue and say, Rich, is he really being gracious or... Is he just Joe El Baboso Biden doesn't know what's going on. People are insulting him and he goes with it. Now, I think if somebody were to do this, if there was a because, you know, there was a whole F Donald Trump rap song, right? That's how it went. F Donald Trump. And, you know, they were singing it in the streets in Chicago. So if somebody were to do that uh, in that in that manner, you know, not a euphemism like let's go, Brandon, which really is just so humorous, but to be that uh, vulgar. And did it to Trump? I would say, oh, that's very nasty. It's wrong. It's uncalled for. But I think the way it was done here, I'm not going to say it was called for, but I do think his actions do call for some of this. When you're a public official, you invite public scrutiny. And I think that's just how it is. Trump had to deal with it and in in much harsher ways. This is, uh, I think, a, a softball toss to President Biden, right? Nobody called him out on policy. All they did was just make a, a, a joke, which I think was, uh, you know, at least one of the highlights <laughs> of the news on Christmas since there wasn't a ton of news. But I thought that was really funny and endearing. And uh, it really, it really did. It It was, uh, it warmed my heart, if you will, <laughs> because I thought it was so funny. Anyway, so now, you know, liberal Twitter is going uh, berserk, saying that they got to come after this guy because uh, they want to cancel him. And that's how cancel culture works. And it makes me think, Is that really the way we want to do things? Because, I mean, we have to admit here, Biden's done a lot of things wrong, right? We're going to get to Kamala Harris and what she's done wrong. But one congressman, Congressman Jim Jordan, who I just interviewed on my podcast, This is America with Rich Valdez, which you can hear on radio as well on the East Coast. Check it out and subscribe if you can. Jim Jordan said, Biden's done everything wrong. Listen to this.
1: In, in simple words, I think the American people would like uh, they'd like safe streets, they'd like affordable gas and they'd like freedom. Instead, what Biden's given them is record crime, record inflation and Dr. Fauci. So uh, th- this administration, as we've talked before, Larry, has done everything wrong. You pick the policy area. They've done it wrong. We went from in literally 11 months safe streets to uh, record crime. We went from a secure border to complete chaos. We went from stable prices to now record inflation. We went from strength and projecting strength around the world to the debacle that was the exit in Afghanistan. So you name the policy, they've screwed it up. Um, I'm afraid based on what I heard from Senator Warren this week, they may even go the wrong direction on the economy, but let's hope not. And let's hope Joe Manchin stays firm in this crazy Build Back Better, so-called Build Back Better bill never
3: passes. Now, this isn't the craziest news that we've heard because we know, we know so much of what's going on with Joe Biden. We try to keep up to speed on that. We're all the great hosts on this station, uh, AMKTTH, your home for conservative news. Everybody keeps you up to speed on this. But it seems like it's only us in this little conservative talk radio bubble that seem to have a grasp on what's going on and being able to dissect this information. But so many people, even though the polls are trending in the direction of more people are catching up, it seems like not enough people are aware of what Joe Biden's doing. And how um, reckless, how um, inept his policy and his governance has been. So I think this is the beginning of that reckoning. I think people are starting to say, you know what, enough is enough. Yeah, basta. This stuff isn't going to fly. And we're seeing that. And I think in the most uh, demure way, if you will, people are doing it by way of a a Christmas greeting and saying, let's go, Brandon. So I think, yeah, things could be a lot worse to to challenge the the guy on uh, Ron, I forget his name, Filipowski who was on CNN saying that, you know, polls are showing that their people are increasingly more violent. And yeah, I get that. I get that part of that is culture. I'd say part of that is being brought in by some foreign entities that want us to be very divisive and hostile toward one another. But a big part of it is just people are sick and tired and fed up and they don't know what else to do. And being the son of an old school Puerto Rican guy from Caguas, Puerto Rico, my dad, his name, by the way, Juan Valdez, that's his real name. My dad was that guy. If the term or the phrase, use your words, was a thing back in his day in the 30s, little Juan, use your words, that would have been his thing. Because my dad used his fists for just about everything. Very few words. He grunted for most things. He cursed for other things. And then he swung his fist for everything else. That's just who he was. And I think there's, there's still a generation of people that are like that that say, you know what, I'm not here to talk I'm here to create something. I'm here to do something. Now, is that a call to arms? Is that a call to action? No, of course not. Violence is not the answer per se. We have to really take a look at what's going on. But it goes to show you that people, just your regular uh, run-of-the-mill average dad who opens Pokemon cards and does uh, box reveals on YouTube and is a critic of those things, offering critiques on video, even he is saying, you know what? Enough is enough. Let's go, Brandon. So anyway, keep it locked right there. More to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about Vice President Kamala Harris and everything that's going on across the country, plus all of the headlines coming out of Seattle on this snowy Monday following Christmas. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. This is America. Now, for weeks, you've heard me talking about Noom.com slash thisisamerica, Noom.com slash thisisamerica. That's N-O-O-M.com slash thisisamerica. I use Noom.com slash thisisamerica to keep my thoughts in order, to follow a plan designed by psychologists to help me make sure I stay hydrated, to make sure that I'm tracking my meals, counting the calories, staying focused on my health. Not getting anxious, not overeating. That's important because sometimes this politics, the news, it gets me stressed out. First thing I want to do is grab a cheeseburger. So you can do this. It's an app. You can do it anytime, anywhere. Now is the time for you to take control over your health. Noom.com slash This is America is where you got to go to check out your trial. It's a personalized trial. So go to Noom.com slash This is America. Noom.com slash This is America.
2: The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez.
0: Oh, very good, Mr.
2: Carl Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich
3: Valdez. So I read this thing the other day that said that robot restaurant workers are going to be a big thing in 2022. Now, we saw in 2020 and 2021 with the um, push for the $15 minimum wage, which you guys were first in the nation to adopt in Washington, we saw how that created lots of kiosks. There were kiosks that were coming out all over the place. And even locally here, you know, I'm um, based out of New York, New Jersey area. I went to a convenience uh, chain pharmacy, and I walk in, and there was a girl at the register, a cashier, and... I walked up to the register and, you know, she held up her index finger as a, you know, the universal sign for wait. I said, all right, I'm going to wait. And she steps from around the counter, goes behind me and then motions to me to walk over to her to one of those um, do it yourself, scan and go checkout kiosk things. So I said, hmm, here's something. So instead of ringing me up while she was there. She's now trying to train me to do it myself, and she's walking me through it. She's like, all right, just scan it right there, and are you paying cash or card, and blah, 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 and blah, blah. okay, sure, do you have any coupons do you wanna put in your your uh, membership card, whatever, to get a discount? And, and I thought to myself, wow, so they're not, they've hired a cashier, but she's really become a trainer of the customers. And I thought to myself, if I really wanted to go through all of this, you know, I could go to anywhere else that has these kiosks. I kinda like this place, because it still had that personal touch. Quite frankly, if I wanted an automated process, I could buy the things that I'm buying at the local pharmacy. Um, I could buy them on Amazon and they deliver them to my door the next day. I have prime. So it, it makes me think, is this uh, really a thing? Are we going to see robots in the next year? I don't, I don't know, but I'm looking at this thing in the New York post and it says the staff shortages at restaurants are only getting worse. And this is according to the National Restaurant Association. Three out of every four restaurant owners can't get enough servers. But demand for in-person dining is starting to come back, according to them. So what do they do? The answer? Hire robots. Last summer, the Cuban-styled restaurant named Sergio's in Miami, Florida introduced the newest member of their staff named Servi, created by Silicon Valley company Bear Robotics. Servy, which delivers food and clears dirty dishes, is leased uh, by Sergio's for around a thousand bucks a month, or about two to three dollars an hour, including installation and support and doesn't take tips. <laughs> now, Flippy, a burger place, um, which is, uh, excuse me, a burger flipping robot from Miso Robotics, made its debut in 2018 at the Pasadena-based burger chain in California, and but was fired after one day for flipping burgers too fast. So in November, Miso unveiled Flippy 2.0, a sleeker, more independent version of the kitchen robot, which is poised to officially join the food industry in the workforce later this year. Now I look at that and I think, hmm, this is one of those things that's interesting because as we have staffing shortages across America and we've got supply chain issues and we've got this kind of great, um, what is it that AOC termed it? I talked about it a couple of days ago. not a universal strike, a general strike, right? Like the old communists used to do. She's saying there's a general strike because people are saying, if you don't give me a living wage, if I don't make 75, 80, 100 grand a year, whatever it is, depending on where they live, I'm not doing the job. And I will stay out of work and I'll work with my partners and the people that are in government to make sure that you meet my demands. And thus far, this has worked, right? People, you know, we constantly make references to, oh, well, we're paying people to stay home. I mean, it really goes beyond that. This is truly the Democrats holding small business owners hostage and extorting them by way of paying people to stay home because why? Cause they're artificially trying to increase the cost of labor. They're messing with the market. They've got their thumb on the scale, you know, but Joe Biden in this audio clip, he says that empty shelves and, um, and shortages. Well, listen for, for coronavirus tests because of delivery shortages, supply chain, this is any of that stuff that nothing that he's done in his administration has actually been good enough to meet the demand of the problems that have arisen. So Biden creates the problem, and then he doesn't even know how to fix the problem. But listen to Biden uh, talk about empty shelves and uh, coronavirus test shortages. Check this out.
4: It's yeah, I wish I had thought about ordering a half a billion pills Two months ago, before COVID hit here. But we're nearly two years into this pandemic. You're a year into the presidency, empty shelves and no test kits in some places, Uh, three days before Christmas when it's so important. Uh, Is that good enough? No, nothing's been good enough. But look, look where we are. When last Christmas we were in a situation where we had significantly fewer vaccinated people vaccinated, emergency rooms were filled. You had serious backups in hospitals that were causing great difficulties. Um, we're in a situation now where we have 200 million people fully vaccinated. 200 million people fully vaccinated. And we have more than that who have had live one shot, at least one shot, and they're getting these booster shots as well. So we've moved along and we still, the CDC is still saying, and, and my uh, the docs who advise me on this, are still saying, if you are tested, if you know where you are in terms of having gotten the shots, there's no reason why you can't get together with your family and your friends.
3: So that was right before the holidays, talking about, you know, the the shortages and Dr. Fauci. and We'll get into that on the flip side of what Fauci had to say over the weekend. But I look at that to say nothing we've done has been good enough. Now, some might look at that and say, well, good old Joe Barbosa Biden stepping up. The buck stops with him. That may be true in that the buck stops with him. But I think we have to look at that and say, so, okay, it's fine if you admit that you're a failure. And we have some audio of Kamala Harris also admitting to her failures. But in this specific instance, Biden admits to his failures. And what is he doing about it? Is he saying, I'm going to step aside? Is he saying, I'm going to bring in the experts? No, he says, we're going to bring in a bunch of tests, a bunch of tests that we've, we have we don't even know if they work, right? Because there's this big story that, that recently came out in BuzzFeed that says, you know, here's what you need to know about the coronavirus tests. And obviously there's this shortage and Biden says, we're going to buy 500 million coronavirus tests. But BuzzFeed, and again, no friend of Trump's, but apparently... It looks like they may not even be a friend of Biden's because the article in the health section says this is what you need to know before taking a rapid covid test. And, of course, this is in response to what Biden said he was going to do. But here's the, the the part I want you to focus on. Right. It says here, blah, blah, blah. While increased availability for tests is a good thing, these government supplied tests may not be available to January, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it talks about the pros and says they give you fast results, 15 minutes. OK, super. We know that. Now, here's the con. They may not be as accurate at detecting early infections as compared with other tests like a PCR that can take a day or more to get results. And here's a quote from Dr. Michael Mina. It says, rapid tests are one of the most powerful tools that we have not really being utilized in a powerful way in this pandemic. However, the government's in a position where bringing these tests forward and starting this now creates a strategy where they may be potentially used effectively. But BuzzFeed counters and says, if you have the if you take this test, it may not actually tell you if you have the virus or not. So we've got 500 million tests right now that we don't know that are coming our way that we don't even know if they're going to work. So this will be yet another instance of Joe El Baboso Biden turning around and looking at the American people and saying, well, nothing we've done has uh, has worked And I don't know if that's acceptable to me. I don't know if it's acceptable to you. I don't think it's going to be acceptable to most Americans who want to get beyond this. But it just really begs the question, what is Joe Biden doing? What is the purpose of all of this? I'm going to use the word hullabaloo, right? What's the purpose of all of this if we're not getting any actual results? What's the purpose of all of these czars and all of this Dr. Fauci nonsense and all of this push for vaccines? When we read the data the other day from the Newsweek fact check that said, yes, it's true. In 2020, while Trump was still president and there was no vaccine, less people died than in 2021 where Biden was president for the entire year. And there was a vaccine, three of them. So what does that say? Well, anyway, straight ahead, more to come. This is America.
0: Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.
4: Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at MattressFirm.com today.
3: In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. <laughs> All right, welcome back, Washington. Good morning, Seattle. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, here with you straight till 12 o'clock noon. And the freezing temperatures in western Washington are chilling, to say the least. We're going to keep you updated on all that stuff. Now, there's this piece that I'm looking at here that talks about inflation and how inflation is crippling things. Washington Examiner from yesterday, Jeremy Beeman. And it discusses how prices for just about everything are up in 2021, obviously as economies recovering from the worst pandemic ever, blah, 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 since the Spanish flu. Higher cost for energy, everything. And this is basically the, the the crux of it. Because as energy prices go up, in particular gasoline, everything's gonna go up because of the truckers and how they deliver so many things. And this is where the climate change people really uh, wanna come at it because they're saying, hey, look, if we can get electric trucks or electric trains or electric anything, we eliminate all these fossil fuels. But on its first day of trading in 2021, Crude oil closed at $51.09 a barrel. Now, $86.40. This is a year-over-year rise of 125%. How does one survive in a situation like that? Well, you gotta make more money, right? I mean, it's that simple. You have to make more money. But can we just necessarily demand more money? We talked about how there's policy being put in place by the most leftward faction of politicians in our political spectrum, making sure that they are artificially increasing the cost of labor, saying, you know what? No, $15 an hour is just not going to be enough. We need to do more. We need to do more. But yet nobody cares. Right. Or we see Biden saying, "Oh, I guess what I'm doing is not enough, not enough. And he's also not doing enough when it comes to coronavirus. He's also not doing enough when it comes to the border. But that's where we are. So fast forward to kamala harris right another set of failures now we've got kamala harris saying that it's actually democracy itself right that's the biggest national security threat in america now this comes right as democrats are pivoting to a push on voting rights because everything else they tried build back better and the uh other big spending bills weren't it right didn't happen so Back to the same drawing board, Jim Crow Republicans, right, stealing elections. They do the actions. They blame you for the crime. Anyway, I want you to hear uh, Kamala Harris talking about democracy. Listen to this.
0: What do you see as the biggest national security challenge confronting the U.S.? What is the thing that will raise you and keeps you up at night? Frankly, one of them is our democracy. There is, I think, no question in the minds of people who are foreign policy experts that – The year 2021 is not the year 2000. You know, I think there's so much about foreign and domestic policy that, for example, was guided and prioritized based on September 11th, 2001. And we are embarking on a, a, a new era. Where the threats to uh, our nation take many forms, including uh, the threat of autocracies taking over and having outsized influence around the world, and mm-hmm. so I go back to our our point about the need to fight for the integrity of our democracy. In addition, it is obviously about what we need to do in the climate crisis.
3: Good old climate crisis always comes back. That's right behind, I guess, the voting rights, right? You've got AOC screaming about climate. You've got Stacey Abrams over there screaming about voting rights and Kamala Harris in between, you know, talking about her successes and failures. And she claims that her biggest um, failure is probably not leaving the beltway in D.C., the Washington, D.C. bubble. What I find interesting is so many critics of hers have been out there, you know, beating the drum, saying, hey, Vice President, que mala eres, which means how bad she is in Spanish. They're all out there saying, you know what? You need to be at the southern border. You need to be addressing these issues. And instead, she gets on a plane and goes down to South America and says, I'm going to address the problem at its root. And I think, just imagine if you have a crime crisis, which, again, many people are having a surge in crime. And you tell your police chief, hey, chief, we need you to address this crime problem. They go, you know what? I'm going to address this at its root. No, not on the street where it's happening. I'm going to address it where, you know, these are kids that are having emotional issues and they grow up to be criminals. So I'm going to start talking to parents. I'm going to have parent teacher meetings, maybe at the schools, and we're going to figure out how we had, how we got to this place. What? Leave that for the researchers and the social workers. But when you're the executive, you're tasked with fixing the actual problem. And that doesn't seem to be happening. So Kamala Harris says that She's concerned about not being in step with Americans. Basically, she's out of touch. Breitbart. Interesting piece right here. Nick Gilbertson. Her biggest concern is that she could be out of touch with the American people. Now, a lot of the audio I'm going to play for you was from a Face the Nation interview uh, from Sunday. Now, very interesting here. She admits her biggest failure is not leaving D.C. more. And she's out of touch. Well, I think she's right. She's right. So you got Biden saying everything he's doing isn't working. You've got Kamala Harris saying that her biggest failure is being out of touch. And here's a quote. To not get out of D.C. more, Harris laughed. I mean, and I actually mean that sincerely for a number of reasons. You know, the president and I came. We had COVID, blah, 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 blah. I can't read this. It, it gets me crazy. I think I have the audio somewhere. But the point is, when you have politicians that admit that they're, that they're not doing what needs to be done, and they won't do what needs to be done, what are we going to do? You've got Kamala Harris. That's the only person that polls lower than Joe Biden, You know, at least at, at the national level. And to be fair, they don't really poll for every person. What, what is one to do? What is one to expect? Of course, you've got to vote these people out. It's the only way to go. And this is the only way because you've got Democrats all over the country, not just on the West Coast, doing things that are just way beyond the pale. The other day we spoke about briefly about in New York allowing non-citizens to vote. So as that's happening, you know, uh, Republicans across the board in New York, they're getting together. They're saying we're going to file lawsuits. We're going to do that. God bless them. But you've also got Republicans in Congress that are saying, you know what, we're also going to step up. Marco Rubio from Florida is leading a coalition of Republicans in Congress to sponsor legislation that would ban federal funding for any state or locality that allows foreigners to vote in U.S. elections. I think that deserves an amen. Hallelujah. This new legislation, dubbed the Protecting Our Democracy by Preventing Foreign Citizens from Voting Act, was introduced after many liberal municipalities from San Francisco to New York have moved in 2021 to allow non-citizens to cast ballots in local elections. Quote, It's ridiculous that states are allowing foreign citizens to vote, said Rubio. However, if states and localities do let those who are not U.S. citizens vote in elections, they shouldn't get U.S. citizen taxpayer dollars. 100% agree with that. Now, the measure is being co-sponsored by Republicans, um, Senator Steve Daines of Montana, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, John Kennedy of Louisiana, Rick Scott of Florida, and James Lankford in Oklahoma. Jeff Duncan, a Republican from South Carolina, plans to introduce a companion legislation in the House. Great. Saying, voting in this country is a right that should solely be limited to American citizens, allowing non-citizens or illegal immigrants to vote Even if only in a state or local election gives foreign nationals influence on some of the most important decisions impacting our families, our rights, and our representation in government. Duncan could not be any more correct. I mean, he's 100% right on this stuff because this is ultimately where we're at. So that's how you fight back. Now I know I'm Mr. Softy. You know I'm sort of a milk toast when it comes to this stuff. I think you have to fight back, but I don't necessarily think we have to have a January sixth every day, right? Some people think if you're not doing that every day, then you're somehow, uh, you know, you're you're a rhino, if you will. Doesn't matter what you believe politically, and if your uh, conservative values are, you know, pretty uh, in lockstep with with Reagan and 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 the founders, if you will. That doesn't matter. What matters is you know how aggressive you are, and I think that that opens the door
0: Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at Woodhouse.com.
3: Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way, Richie Valdez is terrific.
2: This is America.
3: All right. Welcome back, Washington. Good morning, Seattle. I am Rich Valdez here with you till 9 a.m. I was looking at my clock wrong because I'm on East Coast time, (laughs) but I'm here with you till nine this morning. And again, that 800-465-8770, 800-465-8770. Now, so, of course, you got the snow on the ground. That's a whole lot going on. There was crazy stuff on the roads. Big game yesterday. We're going to talk to Brady about that in a second. It seems to be cold, right? Lowest temperature in a decade and you know it's interesting it's not just the roads that are perilous right now it's also in you know, airline right they're, they're saying it's too dangerous to fly and thousands of airlines have canceled flights and this is you know frustrating for a lot of people because they were traveling for the holidays and they wanted to get back home or wherever they had to go and now they can't and these are the people that ignored right dr fauci and joe biden that said you can't you can't if you don't have your vaccines now maybe they did have their vaccines but those that didn't you know they're they're um Persona non grata, right? Breaking the rules. And even Dr. Fauci, you know, he's very, very upset. We talked about the COVID tests earlier. He's very, very upset with the failure of the Biden administration to produce enough tests in time. I want you to hear what Fauci had to say over the weekend. Listen to this.
4: So the president seemed to me to be quite defensive when he was asked about that, particularly when David Muir asked him, asked him about the, the testing issue. He said that this has not been a failure. But I mean, I, I've, I've been asking questions about testing, I, so often with you standing uh, with, with the others uh, at, at the podium, uh, since you know the beginning of the pandemic, testing was a colossal failure in the early days. And why is it that now, nearly two years in, we still, we still don't have affordable tests widely available to anybody uh, who needs it? I mean, this must frustrate you, I imagine, as well.
2: Well, obviously it does, John. I mean, even with the amount, I mean, if you look at the beginning of the administration, the beginning of the year, there were essentially no rapid point-of-care home tests available. Now there are over nine of them and more coming the production of them has been rapidly upscaled and yet because of the demand that we have which in some respects john is good that we have a high demand because we should be using testing much more extensively than we have even in a situation where you have people who are vaccinated or boosted but the situation where you have such a high demand a conflation of events omicron stirring people to get appropriately concerned And wanting to get tested as well as the fact of the run on tests during the holiday season. We've obviously got to do better. I mean, I think things will improve greatly as we get into January, but that doesn't help us today and tomorrow. So you're right. That is something that is of concern.
3: It's definitely of concern, Dr. Fauci. He never ceases to amaze me. It's amazing how he can be on every side of every issue. And I get things do evolve. I try to be fair-minded. But when it comes to to Fauci, he, he just, uh, he's got it covered. Well, you know, Biden is the absolute worst, but he's at the same time, he's the absolute best because we, 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 we're we doing this. And when you have the nasal pharynx and the nasal pharynx and the testing, of course, and it's a very complicated scenario. So it, the answer is yes, but the answer is no at the very same time. And, and that's how he. he He answers every question in such a circuitous manner where it's just like, what did you just say, sir? Nothing. But he goes on. Uh, Fauci also added that these vaccine mandates for domestic travel, i.e. all this airline stuff, it won't do anything, but he'll support them anyway. Listen to this.
4: Um, l- let me ask you about something else uh, from from the president's interview with with David. Uh, the, the David asked uh, about uh, the vaccine, the lack of a vaccine requirement for air travel. There is no vaccine requirement for domestic air travel in the United States. Um, and, and when the president was asked, should there be one? He said that his team has, has said it's not necessary uh, at this point. Do, do you agree with that? That, that? that there shouldn't be a vaccine requirement for
2: domestic air travel? Well, it depends on what you want to use it for. I mean, vaccine requirements for people coming in from other countries is to prevent newly infected people from getting into the country. A vaccine requirement for a person getting on the plane is just another level of getting people to have a mechanism that would spur them to get vaccinated. Namely, you can't get on a plane – Unless you're vaccinated, which is just another one of the ways of getting requirements, whatever that might be. So, I mean, anything that could get uh, people more vaccinated would be welcome. But with regard to the spread of virus in the country, I mean, I think if you look at wearing a mask and the filtration on on planes, things are reasonably safe. We want to make sure people keep their masks on. I think the idea of taking masks off in my mind is is really not something we should even be considering, which is that's what we meant by it depends on what the goal of getting people vaccinated before they get on a domestic flight.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the the, the airline see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, uh,
3: Fauci always has something clever to say. He's always trying to pull the wool over your eyes. But this is why I always say if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's from Hamilton. And a quote from Sir Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing in the face of fakes and phonies and frauds, fugazis like Fauci. So get to it. You know what you got to do, America. I'll come at you with another excerpt from my uh, show this week in Seattle. Hasta la proxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez and this is America. This is
2: America.